Welcome to the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and I'm here for you. Today we're going to talk about ways to stop tolerating abuse. Abuse you may not even have recognized that is happening now or that happened earlier in your life. Maybe you'll hear something today that you really need to hear. It's my hope that you will. You're not alone. It's not your fault. You are not to blame. And I'll help you use that redirected energy to recover and to rediscover you, your values, your dreams, your desires, and then realize them in healthy ways and in healthy relationships at home and at work. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler and I'm excited as usual that you're here. A big welcome to anyone joining us for the first time and a big thank you and I'm so glad you're here to those of us who listen every week. I do my very best to bring you diverse things that will help you on your journey to recognizing, realizing, and recovering from a relationship with those relentlessly difficult, toxic, and often disturbing people I call hijackles. Today's show is going to be absolutely full of great ideas. I've done a piece for you on what is passive-aggressive behavior, just to get really clear. Also, you need to understand if it's happening to you, you need to know what it actually looks like and sounds like. So there's some help for you there. And you can always go to PassiveAggressiveChecklist.com, no dashes, PassiveAggressiveChecklist.com and take my free checklist there. And then my guest. Today, my guest is someone I look forward to. It's Dr. Gans Ferentz. He's just written a new book, The Me Factor, The Systematic Guide to Getting What the Hell You Want. Doesn't that sound like fun? And isn't that just what you want? So we're going to have a great conversation today. I know we're going to talk about men and relationships and possibilities and building the kinds of relationships that with the world that we can then, in fact, in his words, get whatever the hell we want. The last segment is on how to stop second-guessing yourself. So many people in my Facebook group, Optimized Life, ask the question, is it me? It always seems to come down to being my fault. Is it? Am I wrong? Did I get it wrong? Do I remember incorrectly? So I'm answering that question, how to stop second-guessing yourself. So much for you here. If you are joining us for the first time or you haven't visited the website, go to fourrelationshiphelp.com or check in my YouTube channel at Four Relationship Help. Stay tuned. We've got a great show for you today. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad. You matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting, and dismissive masquerade that a hijackal pretends is love. I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackal, whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent, or a child. Let's work together now. For individual sessions or small group coaching, visit 4relationshiphelp.com slash join. Talk soon. Hello, today I just wanted to talk to you about something that's really important and on top of mind for many people. They look at the behavior that someone's exhibiting and their question is, what's going on with this? I'm Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and I want to help you understand what is and isn't passive-aggressive behavior. It's really important to know. 
And you need to be able to identify it, know why you get that feeling when it happens to you. And people just show up as a little bit clumsy, a little overbearing, a little difficult. And you're not exactly sure and you wonder, is it me? What's really going on? So one of the things we know about passive aggressive behavior is it really fractures relationships that could be good. And that's probably why you're listening, because if you have a relationship, you probably want to know how to make it better. But with passive aggressive behaviors in the relationship, they just slowly erode the goodness and they leave the person who's not passive aggressive feeling a bit cut off at the knees and uncertain and maybe bleeding. And in my terms, that's just crazy making. So that's why I wrote the ebook called Stop That's Crazy Making, How to Quit Playing the Passive Aggressive Game. And you can find it on my website at forrelationshiphelp.com. So let's just talk about a few of these attributes and what's really going on and why it bothers you so much. A passive aggressive person is way more promise and way less delivery. It's highly unlikely that they'll do what they say. So if that just rang a bell for you, mm-hmm, probably dealing with passive aggression. Also, passive aggressive people think that personal relationships are competitive and they are struggling for power. Now, it may not be set up to be competitive. It's just what's going on within them, that they, they have a need to win. And so they behave that way, not wanting to give an inch, never wanting to be the one who might be in a losing position or even in a less than optimal position. They see the relationship as a struggle and they behave as though it is a struggle. And we have to teach them that it's not. And that's often where you need to get some professional help when we're dealing with passive-aggressive behavior because the passive-aggressive person needs to hear this from somebody besides you. And we have to have a a compassion for these people because they learned it somewhere in life. Now, that doesn't mean we need to condone or enable the passive-aggressive behavior, but we can have compassion for it because they're not feeling good about it either. Of course, they may not ever say to you, I understand I'm being passive-aggressive, but we'll deal with that. So now they need to learn some skills to create a relationship that actually would bring more happiness and peace. And not just for the troubled spouse, but for that passive-aggressive person as well. Because passive-aggressive people just don't say what they actually mean. So here's a story that might work for you. A wife asks her husband, would you pick up the dry cleaning on Saturday because the dry cleaner is going to close before I can get there and we really need things for Sunday. So would you pick them up? And the passive aggressive husband says, well, sure, sure, I'll pick them up. No problem. So the wife, a little uncertain, wanting to check, she says, okay, you're really sure that you understand. I can't do it and you're agreeing to do it. So that's okay. And you'll do it on Saturday. Absolutely, he said, no problem. So on Saturday evening, the wife comes home and says, where's the dry cleaning? Passive aggressive husband says, don't you think I have anything better to do with my time than run errands for you? That's passive aggression. Does that sound familiar to you? Somehow that passive aggressive person could not muster up the strength to tell you in the beginning that they did not want to do it because they didn't want to have the conflict at that moment. So they say yes, and then they postpone the conflict. They know they're postponing the conflict, but they're hoping to get away with it. And then when you ask if they fulfill their promise to you, they turn it around and make it your fault that they haven't done what they said they would do. That's classic passive-aggressive behavior. Other things that fall in the category are lots of excuses, frequent lying, and lots and lots and lots of procrastination. They just happen to be late a lot. They just happen to forget to do things. All of these are signs that there is a passive-aggressive person in this relationship. If you want to check and see if that's actually the case in your relationship, I made it easy for you. 
you can go to PassiveAggressiveChecklist.com and you can take my free checklist there. It'll help you understand what it is that you're experiencing. And if it's passive aggression, then there is a second checklist that will automatically flip you over to it so you can learn even more. PassiveAggressiveChecklist.com. No dashes, no nothing. PassiveAggressiveChecklist.com. So it's really important to know what's going on for you and for the other person, whether that other person is your romantic partner, your longtime spouse, your mother, your father, your child, somebody at work. You need to understand passive aggression and what it looks like and what it feels like because you really know what it feels like, but you may not have yet been able to give a name to it. So I'm here to help you understand those things in a clearer way so that you can make sense of what your best next steps are. We'll talk more about passive aggression on another show. You're listening to the Relationship Help Show, and I am Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. You can learn more about me and the work that you need the answers to at 4relationshiphelp.com or visit my YouTube channel for Relationship Help. I'm here for you. Talk soon. Life as a couple can be exciting and enriching. You both feel supported, known, heard, and appreciated. You know you're safe. Is that what you're experiencing? Does your partner have your back? Can you be vulnerable safely? Do you trust each other fully? Would you say you were emotionally intimate? If not, things can get much better. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I work with couples just like you all over the world by video conferencing. If you want a world-class relationship, learn how now. Visit 4relationshiphelp.com slash join and schedule a time to work together. Let's talk soon. 4relationshiphelp.com slash join. Hello and welcome to the Relationship Help Show. I'm so excited to have Dr. Gans Ferentz as my guest today. You can see that he's here. Welcome, Gans. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Roberta. Oh, I'm delighted to have you because we so seldom speak about just men. And I know that you don't deal with just men, but you've written this fabulous book and it's very exciting. It's called The Me Factor, Your Systematic Guide to Getting What the Hell You Want. (laughs) I love that. It's so in your face. Um, And of course, you've appealed to the left brain in people suggesting it's systematic. So clever you. (laughs) thank you (laughs) so i'm going to just introduce people to you by reading what it is you've offered here um dr gans ferentz is a speaker author and registered psychologist and he's from my homeland canada (laughs) hey canada and for over 25 years dr gans has been helping individuals couples families and corporations reduce the stress improve their relationships and enjoy more success Dr. Gans presents his information in a straightforward, down-to-earth, no-nonsense way and does not present anything that he has not personally put in blood, sweat, and tears. (laughs) This approach has made him sought after in media and as a public speaker. And wow, he's been interviewed on Good Morning Canada and in Psychology Today, Ebony Magazine, and many other radio, TV, and publications. So we're not only speaking to someone personal and someone knowledgeable, but someone well-respected and listened to widely. So I'm excited to talk to you today about men. I'm excited too. (laughs) Why did you choose to write about men, particularly aside from the obvious that you are one? Well, yeah, so I have a little bit of experience with this, uh, this group, <laughs> um, but uh, one, of the, one of the big reasons is, uh, unfortunately, we as guys, we, do, we underuse help. There's this idea out there that to be a man, we have to you know, put the world on our shoulders, kind of soldier on, never show a tear, never show weakness, any of that stuff, right? And so uh, because of that, we suffer in silence, we suffer longer and don't avail ourselves to help. The problem is that the, the outcome of that is, you know, we die younger, worse health problems, wreck relationships more easily, have estranged relationships with our kids, 
um, higher substance abuse, underperformance at work. I mean, I can go on, right? And all these things happen because we have this idea that somehow asking for help is, is equal to showing weakness or not being a true man. So I really wanted to address that. Well, I can certainly understand that decision because I, I agree with all that. And I think there are cultural things that have allowed for that, don't you? Yeah. We have been a cultured historically to have the man be the all-encompassing arms and take care of everybody, that whole protection thing. Uh-huh. And then <clears throat> who protects them? That's right. And we don't even protect each other. I mean, you know, really the only time typically not, hopefully it's changing a little bit, shifting a little bit, but typically the only time we can actually show emotions with other men is in battle or sports. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like, there's the only time we can actually show some emotion. Other than that, it's, it's quite difficult for us to open up to each other. Well, not that I know this by personal experience, but by watching a lot of television, I think you may open up to each other in a bar too. <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe it's the bartender or, yeah, when we're done, there you go. <laughs> but isn't that a shame that it takes inebriation or war or some other very extreme, not the normal functioning in order to allow that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and the weird thing is if we, if, you know, and, and guys will attest to this, if we are doing something different, say like a sport, we are more than happy to go get a coach. You know, uh, Michael Jordan, who arguably was one of the best, if not the best basketball player ever, had a shooting coach. And he probably knew more about basketball and shooting than the coach did. But he also understood that being in the middle of his life while he's doing whatever he's doing, he didn't have objectivity into what he was doing. He couldn't see himself objectively. So he hired somebody to take a look at him and give him some feedback and help him be a better player. Um, and I think, I, I think for me, for most guys, I think that particular thing is a little bit of a hook. It's like, oh, I can be better. I can do more. I can <laughs> have better performance. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's not so bad to actually talk to somebody, get somebody to check me out. Oh, well, you said the magic word for guys, I think, you know, at least in the popular idea, you said performance. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> learning how to perform better outside the bedroom and off the field is a really important thing for all of us to do. And I agree with you. It's been more acceptable for people in specific positions or in particular fields and industries to get help than it has been for us to get help as humans. Because I find in my practice, Gans, that I have to tell people all the time, strong people get help. Absolutely. And and I mean that from the point of view of how you think about going for help. Like I go for help because I want to be better, just like you Absolutely. said. Not, oh, I'm such a mess, I have to go for help. <laughs> no, it's that other side of it that is so important. And that's where confidence, assertiveness, assurance can really be boosted. Well, yeah, it really, you know, uh, like I've, I've, I've been in therapy myself. I've been talking to somebody for about 27 years now. Okay. I'm, I'm talking to my guy in two weeks. So, you know, I'm, I'm still going to go. I'm, I'm going all the time. Um, I, I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't reach out for help. But, you know, the, the idea of being strong enough to get help, there's a couple more sides that I see. One is that it takes way more strength to admit that you need some help than it does to pretend everything is okay. You know, we know lots of people who can brag and have this big ego, but their egos are extremely fragile. And you know, and if you you poke it a little bit or you challenge it a little bit, they either lash out with anger or they withdraw. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so being able to be imperfect in that sense is it shows a lot of character and a lot of character strength. That's one way. The second thing is, actually picking up the phone, making the phone call, typing in the, the search terms or whatever that you need to do to actually connect with somebody, that also takes, takes strength, particularly mm-hmm. because our culture is a little bit biased. You know, we do have that stigma still. And, you know, like I said, it's changing slowly, and I'm really happy for that. But, but it does take strength to ask for help. But there's a quote that I love. Um, I think it's from a, a dude called Picticus, who's a... Um, historian 
And he said, if you will improve, be content to be thought stupid and a fool. <laughs> yes. He said a lot of good things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't get better if, you don't, if you're not willing to look bad at first. But the thing is, if you put in the hard work at the front end, you're going to look much better than just kind of pretending you're better. And, you know, you said put in the hard work. And sometimes people have a misconception that it's really hard. Mm. It, it's something that you ease into. You know, when you go to someone like you or I, we don't say to you, okay, you're a mess. We've got to start here. We look for the places that things are working and we build on those things. So it's, it's not harsh work. It may right. end up being hard work, but it's not harsh work. And I think everyone needs to really understand that, that we're there to nurture and support and tell the truth. You know, and just like Michael Jordan, we need guides on the side, people who can see us when we can't see ourselves, of course. Mm -hmm. And we can say, you know, like I had a, a friend staying with me the other night and she was telling me about this new guy she's seeing. And she said, I said this to him. And I said to him, did you really say that to him? She said, yes, I did. And I said, well, you realize that's a very parental thing to say. Did you want to have a role as being his parent? And she went, oh, oh my, I tell people all the time not to parent their partners. And, you know, it was just one of those moments. We're really good friends. And I, you know, I could point that out to her. And that's the kind of thing we're talking about, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, I've, I've, you know, right, right since the beginning of my career, I've always had a real um, drive and interest in what we, uh, what's now called positive psychology, right? But I think all psychology is positive. But, um, you know, there has been traditionally this idea that you know you come in we're going to take you know we're going to eyeball you and we're going to pull out the book and we're going to figure out what's wrong with you and give you the diagnosis right and then you know you're going to feel wrecked and the only way to get better is to come and see us three times a week for the next seven years and blame your mom right um, <laughs> yes. but that's that's not really what it is it's really we take people where they are and we're all doing the best we can with what we have right with whatever the, the hand that was dealt with us there's a reason we act the way we act. And so figuring out that reason and, and how can we help you get those same results, but with more functional tactics, how can we build on your strengths and help you go further? And really the, the idea, and I always say this to my people, whether I'm teaching or, you know, one-on-one -on -one with my clients, how good can you stand it? That's, that's where we want to go right? Let's build it to see how good you can stand it. And, you know, there's no ceiling on how good you can feel or how well you can perform in my books. I think that's such an important thing, Gans. I have a friend who wrote a book, How Much Joy Can You Stand? Mm -hmm. you know, how much can you actually see yourself in the most positive, progressive way? And will you practice getting there? Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of people don't go there because they have no idea of who they would be if they changed. Like people are comfortably uncomfortable in their skin, but they're kind of afraid to take that step. What would you say that would encourage them? Well, no, you're absolutely right, Roberta. I mean, there's, as humans, I think we, we almost have a higher value for comfort and familiarity than we do for progress and happiness even. Right. Um, for me, I, I, I have to do this with myself as well as with my clients. I have to say, well, you know, do I like what I have? And if I like what I have, then why put in the work? I don't need to change. Right. Um, but but if I don't, if it's not working for me, then I have to put in something. I have to be willing to be uncomfortable until the different way of being feels more comfortable for me. Uh, so, so this is what I tell them, like, you know, ask yourself, is this working for me? Is my way of thinking working for me? Is this relationship working for me? Is this pair of shoes working for me? <laughs> if it's not, if it's not bringing you joy, helping you move forward, you know, helping you feel more peaceful, happy, then it's not. So if you want something different, you got to do something different. And that, that I think is where that hard work comes in because understanding it's not hard, but keeping up with it, you know, doing it consistently, catching yourself when you fall, not beating yourself up, getting back on that, that, uh, that process, mm -hmm. continuing to go until it becomes the new habit. That's a little harder work, right? It's not, like you said, it's not harsh, but it takes some effort. Mm -hmm. It takes some effort and it takes willingness. Yeah. And I think that's the piece that 
that we're we're encouraging today is that you know if you can open your mind to the fact that maybe life could feel better maybe you would feel better about yourself maybe you could feel better about yourself maybe you could have an even better relationship with your partner maybe you could be a better model for your children Mm-hmm. Maybe you could take a stronger stance at work and show up as somebody with even more to offer. Mm-hmm. And it's that possibility thinking that allows us to say, hmm, if I wanted to get there, maybe somebody could help me. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> because a lot of people don't know what to do to get there. That's, that's the truth. Right. And you don't have to wait for a crisis. I hope everybody's listening to that. Um, you know, the Gottman research from, from Seattle, everybody knows John Gottman in the relationship world. And he says that couples have a, a problem on average for six years before they get help. That's, that's just ridiculous to me. <laughs> It's it's ridiculous to me too, Gens, but the fact is that to the average person who hasn't had any help, there are barriers that we've been speaking of this morning in their thinking that says, well, I should be able to handle this. You know, I don't want people to know my relationship isn't working. Maybe it's my fault and I don't want to look at that. And don't you always find, as I do, um, well, I shouldn't say always, but so frequently, a couple comes in, you're sitting looking at them and you can see the bubbles over their head. And each bubble says, if only that one was fixed, everything would be good. (laughs) And and that's problematic for us. So when we come back, I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about hijackles because that's what we talk about here. And then a little more about your book. I'm with Dr. Gans Ferentz today. He is a fabulous person who's written a great book called The Me Factor. You're going to want to go and find that. You can find that by visiting his website, which doesn't seem to be in my notes, drgans.com. How could I miss it? Spell out Dr. Gans, G-A-N-Z.com. If you happen to be in Canada, that's Dr. G-A-N-Z.com. You're listening to the Relationship Help Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Handling hijackles is exhausting. It's never-ending, an endless cycle of crazy-making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of, I know, because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackles and Hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery, will shortcut your journey to healing to save your sanity, and to stopping the crazy-making. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now, and let's talk soon. Welcome back. This is part two of my interview with Dr. Gans Ferentz, and he's written a great book, as I said earlier, called The Me Factor, Your Systematic Guide to Getting What the Hell You Want. And ladies, this book is for men. However, I just have an inside bit that you could learn a lot by reading it too. You're not banned from it. Yes, you can read it too. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that that's important because we need to know that we could understand our men better if we knew what they were going through. And this book could certainly help with that. Or whether there are men or not, that might be our father or our son or our coworker or whomever. And so I want to turn the conversation now to the difficult people, the toxic people, the hijackals that I talk about. And when we're we're talking earlier about people not wanting to reach out for help, of all the people in the world who don't want to reach out for help, it's a hijackal. Mm-hmm. And so it's often their partner that's saying, hey, we need some help here. Mm-hmm. And the the hijackal is all in their place of, I'm on top of the pile, I'm the master manipulator, I make everything happen, everything runs downhill for me, therefore why would I ever need help because I'm perfect just the way I am? What's your experience with people like that? 
yeah, I've, I've seen quite a few of those. Actually, I grew up with a few, so it's like <laughs> I know them well. Um, it's, it, it is very difficult to get them to fully engage in therapy, and I, I'm not sure if that happens at all. Um, my experience with them is if you want to keep them in even a little bit or, or help the, you know, the other person in the relationship be able to access services, uh, you do have to sell it in terms of what they're going to get out of it, you know. And so uh, a lot of the a lot of the times I approach it as, well, you know, again, is this working for you? Are you happy with having to hold this thing together or hold her or him in bondage, so to speak, in order to have what you want? Or could there be a better way? Could there be a way that you get what you want without having to work so hard? Is there is there something else that you could be doing? But, you know, the truth is, Roberta, a lot of times they don't want to change because they either they can't or their ego can't handle it or whatever it is. And so they'd rather just try to manipulate harder, um, harder with the person they're um, in the relationship with or harder with the therapist that's trying to help them. Um, so sometimes, unfortunately, that relationship is not going to get any better. What we can do though, is work with the other person who is more reasonable, who does want to change and help them to be their best self and figure out once they're at their, you know, stronger and healthier and feeling more supported, what they want to do, how, how they want to address the relationship or, or escape the relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you said that because I am always encouraging people when they come to me and they say, of course, they've read my work and they say, I think I'm with a hijackle. And of course, I send them to my free ebook, How to Spot a Hijackle, first to make sure that they, they know what the parameters are. But <clears throat> there's that question of, okay, if I am being in this situation where I'm constantly feeling less than, being made to feel less than, demeaned and degraded and manipulated, exploited, lied to, cheated, you know, all the things that happen, that's on the partner to deal with. And for them to be able to answer that question, I want more. And when they ask that, I say, do your work first. Unless you're being physically or sexually abused, do the work first. And in response to what you just said, what I'm talking about is become clear about who you are, what you value, what your strategies are. Try some new strategies out. Get a new mindset. Try that out. Become empowered before you make the decision to leave. Uh-huh. Because unless there is an absolute reason why you must flee, why not leave as an empowered and prepared person as opposed to being a person who is running from something and you get somewhere and you're in a puddle, you're a mess, and then you have to build up from there. And the other side is that if you do these empowering things, many times the dynamic of the relationship will change. Absolutely. And then there is somewhere to go with the relationship itself. Is that your experience? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with most of that. I, I think, and it depends for me on how you define abuse, because one of the things that I see is the emotional abuse. Like if there's, yeah, so physical abuse for sure, sexual abuse for sure. Emotional abuse, um, my concern with some of that is that the, the folks that I've worked with they get consistently eroded over time. Yes, you know? worn down and torn yeah. down. Yeah. And, and so um, sometimes in order for them to even do any work, they have to be able to stop the erosion. They have to be able to get out to, to have some energy because uh, most of the time they're spending the energies just surviving. And yeah. so they don't have the energy to actually do any of the, the kind of work that we're talking about here. So, so yes, I agree. Take your time. Don't jump the gun. Don't run away just because you're, you know, whatever, pissed off or you're scared or whatever. But also, I think you do have to factor that in. How much energy do you have and how long can you take that particular situation if you can't protect yourself emotionally? The yeah. good news is the work that you and I do, we can help them build those walls and build those boundaries in a healthy way so they don't have to let a lot of that negativity and that erosion in or impact them to, a, to such a great extent. And then, then, yeah, absolutely. Take your time, figure out what you're going to do, and then leave strong. Mm-hmm. 
And we always have to remember, I or I think it's essential to remember, and I hope my clients do too, that, you know, I rem- I'll, I'll just put this in here. I've done a lot of work helping people parent, and I tell people when I used to give classes, I say, I really hope you enjoyed those two, three minutes of conception. And of course, everybody go, what? What are you talking about? And I say, because at that moment, you agreed to be a model of a male or a female in relationship for the rest of your life for that child. Good way to put it. And and now that's what you are. And we know how important those first two mm-hmm. years of life are. You know, people look at that child and they say, oh, they can't move, they can't do anything, you know, they're not taking anything in. Um, they can't even talk, they can barely see, you know, what's going on. We have to really realize that in the first two years of life, all that sensory perception is just going deeply within us. And so the children are seeing and hearing the model. They're feeling the tension. They're noticing, you know, children are very egocentric, self-centric. So they're looking at the giants and they're saying, I need you to survive. What do I need to do to make you happy so you feed me or you change me or you move me from here to there? And I'm learning basic, basic relationship skills right then. Mm-hmm. And so when we have hijackals in our life or we have a relationship that maybe even doesn't have a hijackal but has high tension, mm-hmm. the children are being affected all the time. So there's a very compelling reason to get some help. Now, you brought up the word boundaries. So let's mm-hmm. talk about that for a minute. Because people hear, oh, I'm supposed to have good boundaries. I write about it a lot. I'm sure you talk and write about it a lot. Mm-hmm. What is a healthy boundary as opposed to just a line in the sand? So, you know, in my book, I talk about, uh, I've got this model, it's, it's concentric circles going out with different people in different circles. And, you know, the idea is to have boundaries. The inside of the system has, needs to be protected from the outside of the system, even though the outside of the system may be a parent or a, a spouse or a, a child or whatever, right? The idea of a boundary in my mind is um, you have a double fence, okay? And then you have gates on both fences. And so the outside is facing the outside world. The inside is facing you. So if something comes around, a person, a concept, a request, whatever it is, you can open up that outside gate and put it in that middle section, uh, that no man's land. And in there, you can analyze it. And you say, okay, if I let this in, is this going to add to my life? Is it going to increase my energy? Is it going to be healthy for me? Is it going to help me move forward? If it is, and it's good for everything on the inside, then you can open up the inside gate and let it in. And then that's a, that's a healthy boundary in my estimation. Okay, Unhealthy boundaries, we've got two types. One is two fences that don't open, <laughs> right? So it's a closed barrier. So it's not, you know, there's nothing. So anything that comes in, I'm not doing it because I'm scared. I don't, I don't want to let anything in there. That's it can help protect you, but it's a pretty lonely life and you're, you're, you're not really enjoying life too much. Right? Big cut off. Yep, absolutely. So you're closed off from life. The other problem with an unhealthy boundary, the other uh, um, type is the two open gates, right? And as soon as every, anything is in the vicinity, it almost gets sucked in. It's like, oh yeah, okay, well, you want to do this? Sure, okay, just let it in. And there's no sense of I have the responsibility and the right to see if this works for me or not. And everything is just coming in all the time. And so then the person on the inside just really becomes an extension of whatever is outside of them. And they really don't have a sense of self in that sense. Mm-hmm. So the idea of having completely open, permeable boundaries or fences, if you like, mm-hmm. where everything is flowing through and people do and say things to you and you feel resentment, but you don't think you should say anything. You don't assert yourself in any way. That's the downside. And the other side is, well, you know, I'm not letting mm-hmm. you in and who do you think you are? That's kind right. of thing. And, and we get into those places. And so The healthy place then is that no man's land that both have you have access to from both sides. Exactly. There's a great reason to read your book. Let's talk about that again. The me factor. Love this. Your systematic guide to getting what the hell you want. And it's for men primarily, but we're allowed to read it, ladies. We'll let you. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so so this is important stuff because we I talk about boundaries a lot. I write about boundaries a lot. 
because you have to know what's okay with you and what's mm-hmm. not okay with you. Mm-hmm. And a boundary is being able to say, I've thought about this and this is this doesn't work for me, but this is what would. Mm-hmm. And you say that out loud. So you're helping someone know how to interact with you in a healthy Absolutely. way. And then you give them a couple of chances and you reiterate the boundary. And then when they continue to trample on that boundary, then you have a consequence. Mm-hmm. Like, this is okay with me. This would work for me. This is not okay with me. But if what's not okay with me keeps happening, then I will have to step away or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's important for people to have those places where they know where that spot is, where I stop and you start. Exactly. Yeah. Totally agree. So important. So when you're with a hijackle, these boundaries just become almost non-existent. Oh, they're invading them constantly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the hijackal is always like, I'm taking over, and the hijackal partner is receding and receding because they're receding because they think that they will please. Like, mm-hmm. if only I'm more compassionate, I'm more patient. If I don't demand anything, I don't ask anything. And we get this supplicant kind of position down here. And so the boundaries are completely open. They're, they're not no man's land. They're certainly not closed, but they are permeable on one side and closed on the other because the hijackle is not going to let you in. That's right. That's <laughs> and, right. Then you as the hijackle bait, which is what I call people who are attracted to hijackles, um, are like open, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the inequity because we have to have some equity. Uh, Let's see what you think about this. I say that all healthy relationships have equality, reciprocity, and mutuality. What do you think? 100% agree. 100% agree. (laughs) You have to have have all three of those things in order for it to be a good relationship. I I would add uh, good communication, honesty, and respect uh, uh, to those those three as well Um, because you have to – we, we don't need to get into a relationship to get the crap beat out of us. That's not, or to beat the crap out of somebody else. That's not why, that's not a good relationship. No, um, it's not a power dynamic. That's not yeah. the purpose of a relationship. That's right. And, and so it's, we really need to think about what is fair. And, you know, so my experience was my, my dad was one of these guys easily, uh, the hijackle, right? And so my experience was it wasn't it wasn't even that my boundaries were open. He would define my boundaries for me. Do you know what I mean? And that happens like every hijackle, right? You know, well, you shouldn't feel like that. Why should you feel like that? I don't feel like that, so you shouldn't feel like that, right? Mm -hmm. And and so when I when I got older, it was it was difficult for me. You know, even with the help of a psychologist, it was difficult for me to really figure out where those lines needed to be until I had kids, right? (laughs) And then when I had kids. What I, what I, the, the, the trick I learned was, what would I tell my kid in this situation? I love my child. I don't want them to go through bad stuff. How would I tell them to act? If this, if my child was in this situation, would that be okay for somebody to treat them this way or for somebody to say something to them like this and, or them to have a friend that treats them this way, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's, if the answer is no for them, then it's no for me. And it, you know, you're right. It has to be equal it has to be there has to be some exchange and if it's not then it's you know basically a hostage situation well and we get into hostage situations with hijackles Mm -hmm. you know this this is this is the thing and you said you know a hijackle will define your boundaries for you a hijackle will go even beyond that and define your reality for you absolutely they will tell you what you think what you should think how you should be how you should feel what you should want yeah, and, and all of that. So there's so much more to talk about, and I'm so glad you've been with me today because we've got the conversation started, mm-hmm. and I hope you'll come back and speak with me another day. Definitely, definitely. Lovely. So I've been talking with Dr. Gans Ferentz today, and hasn't that been a great conversation? We've got so much more to talk about his book, and he is a psychologist and author, a speaker from Edmonton, Alberta. You can learn more about him at Dr. Spell out the whole word, Dr. Gans, G-A-N-Z, G-A-N-Z, 
www.thepowerofpositivelifestyle.com. And uh, it's such a great conversation. So we'll pick it up again. Be sure to go and look at his book, The Me Factor, Your Systematic Guide to Getting What the Hell You Want. And uh, that's pretty straightforward. Let us all get what the hell we want and let it be healthy what we want and that we get it in a healthy way. So you're listening to the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. You want to know more about my work, go to forrelationshiphelp.com or come and visit our YouTube video where you'll see a video of Dr. Gans and I in a, in a while talking about this very thing. And my, my YouTube channel is for Relationship Help. Talk soon. No matter what's happening right now, life can get better. If you have a good relationship, it can become great. If your relationship is in trouble, we can find a solution. The good news is that it's in your hands to start. The not-so-good news is that it takes time, new insights and skills, and a whole bunch of willingness. But who would settle for less? Not you, right? Good. You want to feel seen, heard, known, accepted, and appreciated. You want honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability, too. Read my book, Kaizen for Couples, available for download at couplesbook.com. Start there, and let's talk soon. Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor, and I was reflecting on a question that has come up a few times in different ways in my Facebook group, Optimize Life, which you're free to join if you like. Um, and it's the question of second-guessing ourselves. How do I stop second-guessing myself? You know those moments when some you say one thing, the other person says the opposite, and you go, oh, am I forgetting something? Did I miss something? Did I misspeak? And you start thinking it's all you. Um, is it my fault? So I want to tell you that when you're with relentlessly difficult and toxic people, the ones that I call hijackals, these people want you to second guess yourself. They want you to have that moment when you question, was it my fault? Because you know that they're going to make it your fault no matter what. You know that, right? So that if you're with a relentlessly difficult, toxic person, a hijackal, their whole thing is to get you to accept the fault for everything so that you stay in that question, second-guessing yourself, doubting yourself, and always thinking that if you do better, they will be better. And that's not the way it works. They won't. And you really need to get in touch with that. It's not you. I know you're a good person and you want to think, if only I'm more patient or more kind or more compassionate, if I just understand more, if I don't ask for too much, then I understand what you've been through. I've been there too. And then if I wait long enough and I'm good enough, they'll change. But they won't. They have you just where they want you. They have you second-guessing yourself. Now, why do they think that's a good thing? Well, anytime we second-guess ourselves... Yeah, sure, it's a good thing for us to sit down and check in, be aware, be self-aware. Is what I'm doing making sense? Is what I'm taking on appropriate? And if you sit down and think it through and you get some clarity, then you'll also feel more confident and you'll be able to be assertive. And my definition of assertive that comes from my book, Kaizen for Couples, is that you have the absolute right to draw breath and take up space at any time, and therefore, you have the right to say what you think, feel, need, and want. Now, what you don't have the right to do is to talk about another person, so you can never say the word you, but you have the right to say what you think and feel and need and want. Speak only of yourself about how you think, feel, and what you need and want. And as long as you're not speaking to anybody else about it or for anybody else about it, then you can be assertive, speaking only about yourself. And do you know that you don't have to please anybody? You don't have to say or do what somebody else wants you to do. 
You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to be who someone else wants you to be. And a hijackal will try to make you turn yourself into a pretzel and lie down like a doormat to accommodate and think you'll have the ability to make them happy. That's not why you're here. You're here to fully express who you are. And for them, they just want to keep you under their foot. So do you really believe this? Do you have evidence in reality that this is true? And if not, maybe I'm making it up. <laughs> you know, there's a wonderful spiritual book I love and take this phrase from it. I don't love everything in it, but this phrase I do. And it says, everything has the meaning that I give it. You see the power and value in that? If you honestly believe that everything has the meaning that you give it, then you can take responsibility for being the author of your life and what you do and how you respond. So when someone causes you to second guess yourself and say, wow, did I really say that? They're telling me I didn't and I believe I did or they're telling me that I didn't and I think, oh, you know, you get so confused. So no matter which way it goes, and I know that's true for me, let have a think about it. And in the moment, you'll come to that clarity and the ability to be assertive. And that's a good thing. But if someone has you on the run, they have you second guessing yourself all the time. And that's not a good thing. That means that you've given them your power, that you've given them the opportunity to define who you are and to actually define your reality. And if you don't stop and have that nice cup of herbal tea and have a think about it, you'll keep on the run for a long time. And they'll make you afraid and they'll make you small and they'll degrade and demean you and belittle you. And you don't want that happening. So yes, if you second guess yourself, have a good moment to clarify and think what's really going on. What do I really think? And then, do I need to set a boundary? Do I need to set this straight and how do I do it? And that's positive. But if somebody has you always second-guessing yourself, there's a high likelihood that that is that person's way of controlling you, having power over you. And if you allow them to do it, you're enabling it. You are letting them get away with it. So don't let other people define you. Just because someone says you're not a good person doesn't mean you're a bad person. What are you seeing? What do you think of yourself? What do other people think of yourself? What do you want? Is that okay with you? Are you spending enough time alone thinking these things through? Or are you spending your time alone in pain and agony and wondering what's wrong with me? Wondering how to please a hijackal, which you can't do unless you continually give them their power, is really a futile exercise. You can't please a hijackal. Their entire persona is he or she who won't be pleased. That's how they keep power over you. And so if you're going to stop second guessing yourself, you have to give your head a shake and sit down with that cup of herbal tea and say, what's really going on here? Let me take a step back, get into my reality and say, hmm, I'm not going to let this person define my reality, tell me what I think or feel or need and want. I'm not going to tell them who, let them tell me who I am or who I should be. If they want to be in relationship with me, we can have an equal, reciprocal, and mutual conversation about how each of us could do things better. But in a hijackal relationship, it's very one-sided, as you know, and their whole thing is to get power over you. And if you're second-guessing yourself, guess what? They have it. So stop now, okay? Don't enable it. Do not participate. It is not okay. So I hope you'll make a few changes thinking about that and back that up by going to forrelationshiphelp.com. Read the blogs, see what's there for you, or go to the YouTube channel for relationshiphelp.com. Also, if you think you might be with a hijackal, get my Seeing the Cycles Home Study Program. You'll find it at forrelationshiphelp.com under the Programs tab. Seeing the Cycles, how to recognize, realize, and, re and know what hijackal behavior really is. And once you see that clearly, you can't unsee it. Talk soon. 
Oh, what a show it's been today, the 35th episode of the Relationship Help Show. First of all, we talked about what is passive-aggressive behavior. I hope that was helpful to you to understand what it really looks and sounds like. And remember then, you can go to PassiveAggressiveChecklist.com and take the free checklist if you're wondering if that's something that is happening to you, with you, around you. So that's a good thing to do. And my guest today was Dr. Gans Ferentz. He brought us the book, The Me Factor, The Systematic Guide to Getting Whatever the Hell You Want. And uh, that's a really good read. I've read it. I hope you will too. DrGans.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-G-I-N-Z.com or Z.com if you happen to be Canadian. And we had a great conversation, went a little longer than usual. And then I wanted to throw in the last little thing there, how to stop second-guessing yourself. I hope that that was helpful to you too. Next week, my guest will be Dr. Dennis Merritt-Jones. He's visited us before. We talked about spiritual approaches to things. Next week, we're going to talk about his book, The Art of Uncertainty. And we all know that we need to learn to live with that. But his book is about how to live in mystery and have no regrets. So as you go through this next week, remember, you are strong no matter how you feel in this moment. You are capable and can overcome obstacles even when you feel like quitting. You are worthwhile and deserve to be loved and in healthy, supportive relationships. And you will never allow yourself to be abused in any way because you matter. Talk soon. I'm so glad you spent this time with me today. I hope you heard something that touched your heart. You can have the life and relationships that you most want, and that begins within you now, today. I'm always here for you. Life can get better, and you heard that from me, the Relationship Help Doctor, Roberta Shaler. I work with clients throughout the world through video conferencing. We can talk. Learn more at forrelationshiphelp.com. Visit youtube.com slash forrelationshiphelp. And if you want to listen to the show's archives, visit relationshiphelpshow.com. Join me for next week's show. I'll see you then. Talk soon. <music>